0: This week we chat with returning guest Aaron Aceves after the publishing of his new book, This Is Why They Hate Us. Welcome to the Rainbow Room. Our podcast about writing, representation, and gay stuff. This is season two, episode three, This Is Why They Hate Us. Hey everyone, I'm Andrew.
1: My name is Eric.
0: And today we have our returning guest. Please help me in welcoming Aaron Aceves. Woo!
2: Woo! Hello, hello. Am I the first returning guest or has someone else been a two-timer?
0: Richie Armani came back uh, briefly for our Heartstopper episode, but he was in just part of the episode. So you're our first like full uh, episode returning guest.
2: Okay, cool. I'll take it.
0: Uh, This is so cool, Aaron. Last time we talked to you, your book wasn't published yet this is why they hate us and we talked all about the hype of that coming out soon and now it's been out and we've read it and we get to talk about it for this episode which is so cool
2: that is true yeah no it's nice to be back now that it's like been out in the world for like two and a half months at this point um but yeah there's a lot more to talk about i guess
0: wow time flies yeah it's been a ride huh
2: Yeah, definitely with the four different release dates and three different editors and all that stuff. And now it's out. Like, it can't be unpublished. You know what I mean? (laughs) They can't take that away from you. It can't get delayed again. I can't get another editor. Actually, I could get another editor. Not for the book, but like you know the the stuff behind the book, like the clerical stuff that goes around it. But, um, I mean, unless everyone bought every copy and burned it, like there's no getting rid of it now,
0: <laughs> which I was planning to do, but uh, I'll spare as, it. as long as you
2: buy it first, you can burn my books as long as you buy it first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I want so the other cool thing is last time you were here, we had you show us the book before it was released. And now we both own the book, and we
1: can show it and eric has I'm it with. Sure the- i i have mine without the cover i also am very i always eat what i read so i got a small little state on it i apologize <laughs> for that very on brand for me i'm,
2: I'm holding up the advanced reader copy because that's the one i have on my desk but um thank you Uh,
0: Another cool update since the last time we talked with Aaron is when we first talked with him, me and Aaron hadn't actually met in person. Uh, Eric still hasn't met him, but uh, I went down to Austin because, you know, I have family and friends there. And I got to visit him and to flex, I brought the book and he signed my book personally. So I have a a signature and a, a nice message.
2: I never remember what I write in people's books besides my signature. And so like every time they show it, I'm like, what did I write? Like, um,
0: uh, you did draw a little rainbow and then <coughs> uh, you wrote supposed to be a rainbow.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a really bad um, drawer, And so I do tend to like mess it up. And then I will draw an arrow pointing and saying what it should be. Um, It's funny when people like pre-ordered from Book People, the local indie in Austin, um, some of them had instructions for me. And one of them told me to draw the main character, Kike. And I was like, I can't draw. So I just just drew like a stick figure and I you know, pointed to like his shoes. And I was like, these are Vans. And I pointed to like his shirt and I'm like, or to shorts, and I'm like, these are short shorts. Like, I'm just like, I don't, like, I can't draw that, so I'm just gonna, like, describe it to you as I usually do with words.
0: Hey, I mean, that works. Uh, I once read, like, never underestimate the power of a good stick figure. You know, as long as you're willing to, like, go out and, like, try something, I think that works. That's cool.
1: Also, you're a good writer, so you don't have to be a good drawer.
0: (laughs) Hey, well, thank you Uh, before we get into our other questions. uh, Let's check in with a question that we like to ask all our guests. Uh, What's the gayest thing you did this week? And uh, for you, Aaron, specifically, what's the most bisexual thing you did this week?
2: (laughs) I forgot about this question.
0: Um, We we can go first if you want time to think. Yeah,
2: you guys go. You guys go.
0: Uh, So the gayest thing I did this week is um i had been kind of talking with this guy and we had gone on a date or two he messaged me you know we were we were kind of like very early on still kind of figuring out like is this going to work or not um and he messaged me and he said hey i you know i don't think i'm uh want to like carry this forward in a romantic sense uh but i'm still he it was a really really nice message but he's like i'd still like to be your friend if that's something you might be open to but you know you can take some time to decide that um but i was just like knew instantly i was like yeah no let's be friends like i was totally down for that uh which is cool because that doesn't always happen um but i do do feel like that happens more often in the gay community that we are able to like sustain friendships um, because we, we realize that like, there's more to a person than just their romantic compatibility, right? Like they're a full person and sometimes that full person still makes a good friend. You know, I want more gay friends in Seattle. He wants more gay friends in Seattle. So, uh, I feel very confident that we're going to continue a nice, healthy
2: friendship. So cute.
1: Um, I would say the gayest thing I did this week is i met up i'm in this like monthly like mario kart group with some of my girlies ah Um, when you say girlies is is it okay i was to say when you say girlies is it literally girls or (laughs) they're gay men and queer people um cole from our last episode is also in it um oh slow we met up and just played mario kart and it was just nice to like i have i had i have this pretty often like very like thankfully which i love but i like it was just like me in a room of like gay men and queer people and like it's just nice to like have those moments where you're like partaking in like regular life things and look around and be like oh here's me surrounded by people who have had very similar experiences to me and like we can all like relate to something i don't know but we're here we are partaking in this activity that is not gay but i would say i could argue that like mario kart is like a gay activity in and of itself (laughs) um it's it's like a video game for gay people to like really hone in on (laughs) um yeah i feel like mario kart spans the bounds of sexuality straight people love it gay people love it i love it for sure it's it's cute like the colors the vibrant colors the fun characters like you got like peach and daisy who like serve as queens do <laughs> um yeah no i think i think mario kart is gay mario the mario brothers franchise is gay <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah i always thought that nintendo made the gayest consoles and games like just always
1: i feel like Nintendo dogs. that's gay <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, so I had to go back and check my calendar because I literally my my memory is so bad all the time, but I was like, <laughs> what did I do? I like,
0: is it just um, marked like gay stuff Wednesday?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I just I I oh that would be a weird calendar if I just kept track of. Anyway, um I on Friday I did a, a Zoom meeting like this. Um I was with the Bisexual and Queer Alliance of Chicago, and they have a book club. And so I visited with them um, and just, you know, similar to this, like I, I like talked about my book and like got to meet everyone in this in this meeting and everyone was very nice. It did get interrupted by someone um, who came in with the name Andrew Tate. And they oh my kind God, of, I read
0: about this on you. You tweeted about this. Yeah, keep going.
2: Yeah, yeah. So like this person came in with the name Andrew Tate. And like the facilitator said hi to them. They're like, oh, hey, Andrew. And then I was like, oh, like maybe he's like a well-known member. And like they just happen to have the same name. And I was like, Andrew Tate is like a, you know, semi-common, like semi-commonish name, right? So um, that wasn't the case. Five minutes later, and this whole time I'm like staring at the the black screen that has his name. And I'm like, when are they going to do something? And then they like blasted this video and audio of Andrew Tate. Like ranting about something, and then they were removed by the moderator. And then, like after that, I was like, I forgot I made some joke that no one laughed at. And then I was just like, anyway, like back to like talking about my book. Um, but it was a a great experience overall. Like it was it was nice to talk with those people. And not everyone had read the book because it's a book club. And what book club like has everyone read the book? Um, (laughs) but we did got get to discuss some some cool stuff. And I heard some of their stories, and it was just. um, Um, it was a great little like queer time.
0: Well, that's fantastic. But that is so tragic about like someone coming in and doing that to your, it was you presenting to a book club.
2: Yeah. So like there was a facilitator who was like asking me questions and then everyone else could ask me questions too. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of that format and yeah, it's like, I mean, thank God it wasn't anything. I mean, you know, we all hate Andrew Tate. Um but i'm glad it just wasn't something like worse um or someone who was you know proud enough to show their face um but yeah it's just super annoying and i'm like that could have not happened but of course it did because it was a queer book club and you know not a regular one regular not a straight one
0: <laughs> yeah Re- really you think uh like these queer organizations are more often targets for uh that type
2: of attack i would assume so and then i would assume also that like the type of attack is like different you know like if they bombed a a straight book club i think they would probably do it with something else but i mean i don't know
0: (laughs) yeah well that's wonderful that the the talk carried on besides that um and that you still like were able to salvage what sounds like it was a pretty nice experience
2: yeah yeah That that did not ruin it at all it just uh was a a fun reminder i'm like oh people don't do this in person (laughs) like
0: Yeah. And so you were, you're already, you're still not already, you're still doing talks, which is really cool. I imagine it's just been a whirlwind of you doing these presentations and, and you've gotten to uh, sign and do discussions with Adam Silvera, which is really cool. Uh, Last episode you were on, you, You talked about how much you respect him as an author and now here you are like with him that's that must be wild
2: yeah no it's been super cool i mean like with my book everything was sort of contained within release week um from august 23rd to like august 30th like that was when most of my events happened. Adam did host my, my hometown event in LA. Um, so he was he was my conversation partner for my last launch event. And we signed together at the end. And that was really like a great moment for me. I was hungover, but I survived. Uh, and then his his new book, The First to Die at the End, came out in October. And he came to Austin on part of his tour and i was his con- i like i returned the favor like i was his conversation partner and i was asking him a- about his book and like at the end like we both signed together um and it you know some people in the audience I mean no one in the audience knew who I was but <laughs> like but like maybe like ten of them were like out of over a hundred like were nice enough to like buy my book as well and like so I I had something to do while he was signing was like sign one of my books um, oh that's cool yeah no I, it's yeah and they already had signed copies there because it was book people but um I got to like you know put their name and. I don't maybe I drew something and like crudely but for them
0: Uh, now without getting any spoilers I just wanted to know what have been the most um, I guess elating things about the the reception because it's cool it's getting a lot of reviews on Goodreads it has a high rating a lot of people there's definitely um, and you've you got a Kirkus starred review Uh, have you had people reaching out to you to to talk about what this book uh, means to them
2: yeah um the the cool thing is i usually wake up to one or two instagram dms or posts um from people reviewing it and yeah it's it's like it's a little it's a it's a little good like start to the morning because it's like okay like my work is out there like um people are reading it and reacting to it and authors complain a lot about getting tagged in negative reviews and luckily that has not happened every, like every negative review I've found myself because I'm <laughs> stupid. Scouring <Yeah>. for them. <laughs> yeah. Cause I like, you know, I, I have gone on Goodreads and I looked at the one star reviews just cause, you know, I feel like a three star review would, would infuriate me more. Cause it's like, really you were neutral about this. Like, uh, and then with the, I read the one stars and I like, they're kind of, they're mostly funny. Cause you know, I'm called like reverse racist. I'm like, you oh know, wow they're, yeah they're mad about like me talking about queer male or teen qu- queer teen male sexuality and like they're you know so it's stuff that i i kind of i'm like uh like um but some of them are very passionate and wrote very long reviews and i'm like so I did that to myself, um, but yeah, I, I'm lucky that no one like tags me in them and it's like, look at what I think of yours, you know, your book.
0: Yeah, I want to uh, read one review that I found on Goodreads that I really, really liked. I just want to read an excerpt from it.
2: A one star.
0: <laughs> no, not a one star review. <laughs> this is a five star review. Um, I think it was, yeah. The trigger warnings for this book, anxiety, depression, dissociation, suicidal ideation, are normally things that will make me put down a book, things I can't emotionally handle. But I placed my trust in the author, let myself trust in the story, and I found that I felt dot 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 taken care of. Which I just thought was, like, really, like, such a nice thing to say, especially when you're touching on, like, these very deep in um you know potentially triggering issues that you're able to handle those with such dexterity i thought that was that was really nice
2: yeah i i know which review that is and it's it's very it's very sweet um and i do hope that that's the case for people reading the book it's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like try to how do i say this i'm not gonna try to hurt you <laughs> like um <laughs> like going through all like the deep stuff that comes with being queer and being latino and like being mentally ill and like, you know, feeling un- that your love is unrequited, like all those hurt things that can happen. Like I didn't do it to hurt people. I did it so that we could talk about it. And, you know, and so much of the book is just like joking about it too, like not to delegitimize it in any way. But I I, I wanted the combination of like, oh my God, I'm so sad, but I'm still going to make a joke about it because that's the type of person I am. And I just, yeah, like I, I yeah, I love that review. And I just, I really do hope people know that it's like, it really is a safe space. Um, It, it, I think it deals with a lot of challenging things and not everything is like perfect. like nothing is like in the book is, it's very messy. Um, But the whole (laughs) time I'm like, I, yeah, I I hope they know that they're in good hands.
0: Yeah. I think the character is messy. I wouldn't call it the book messy <laughs> yeah the
2: characters are very
0: messy
1: yeah
0: <laughs> well what a beautiful note uh to wrap this up on are you guys ready to read the book
1: reading the book in two hours let's do it
2: The 200th time let's go <laughs> let's
0: read the book
2: <laughs> at this point
0: we read this is why they hate us kike is a closeted bisexual high school student who has a crush on his presumably straight friend selim Kike's best friend Fabiola convinces Kike to concentrate on other romantic prospects to get over Celine, Tyler the wanksta, Ziggy the class president, and Manny the tough Mexican guy. Kike ends up successfully getting to do gay stuff with all of them, with Tyler getting too pushy and Ziggy backing away when Kike uses tongue during their kiss. Kike gets guidance from his gay former classmate Arturo and his gay teacher Mr. Chasman, the latter whom he accidentally meets up with through Grindr. Awkward! Kike finally comes out to his parents and his true crush, Salim. Salim likes him back, and they live happily ever after.
1: Hello, everyone. We're back. Woo! Uh, My
2: eyes hurt from reading so quickly.
1: (laughs) We really busted through that. My fingers hurt. I got so many paper cuts we read so (laughs) (laughs) fast. Um... So first impressions I hated it. <laughs> no,
0: I I loved it. Um it is it's a really quick read in terms of like it you do it doesn't bog you down. It like is very easy to sit down with and just get like swept up in the in the drama of it all as he's going after all these these guys it's it's really cool. It's like so it's like boom you meet a person, boom you meet a person. It's like
1: very easy to get swept up in the rush of it. I like it a lot. I I totally agree and like Andrew was making fun of me earlier because I um read it like up until like i finished it two hours before we were recording and i had like probably like i I, i'm like happy that i did this though because i really prefer to devour a book in like a very short amount of time and so i had about like 120 pages left today oh my god i got off work and i just said let's go and i just devoured the last bit and i i just loved it and it was such a like fun book to do that with and it was very easy to devour and like i loved the characters and all of their messiness And um, the amount of times I'll get into it like with specific moments, but the amount of times like I was reading this book, like on the subway, and then I would get to a point where I'd be like, (gasps) and I would just arrive like at my stop. So I'd have to close the book and be like, (laughs) I want to read more. So I know what happens, but I'm literally walking and I can't read and walk at the same time.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much. I do. I do hear that, that people will say that it's a quick read, even though it's 385 pages. Um, Damn. Because, yeah yeah like I, I did try very hard to make it the voices the, i wanted the voice to be entertaining and like conversational and you know um so that's very nice to hear also eric i besides myself like i think i th- you might be the only person who's ever read it on the subway um I've always hoped for like a picture like one of those stealth pictures um of someone reading my book on the subway um so sad no one that I knew saw you <laughs> doing that
1: <laughs> um, All, I, I was had the book jacket off so maybe that's why next like next book i'll be sure to keep it on the jacket while while i read on the subway
2: or just yeah like or what i'm saying is take a get someone to take a picture of you reading it on the
1: subway (laughs) done i'll do it tomorrow (laughs) yeah that's true you know you did do that
2: um but yeah thank you so much like it's it's always yeah it's it would be really awkward if you guys really hated it
0: (laughs) I was nervous because I've like you've grown to be a good friend, and then I like I got your book, and I was so excited. But there was like, a, oh my god! <laughs> but no, I immediately was like, oh sweet, this is this is a good time. And you touch on so many issues. You touch on mental health. You touch on like I, one thing I think is really cool is that like you know it's really nice to have those movie magic coming out moments. But like everyone else's, everyone's coming out is so different, and so like there's so many moments where your character just does it like. It's like, well, I'm coming out now. It's almost like word vomit. Like... It doesn't have to be that you didn't force it to be a moment it wasn't. It was like it felt very true to life.
1: Yeah, I think um that I honestly was like inspired by that, and that's why I was really inspired by uh Kike and just like like the amount of times he would just be like, Well, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. Like that was just <laughs> when you saw like the growth in him, and like as someone who and you you really touched on like holding on to things until you like explode and bubble up, like with this character, and so as someone who also like does that and like has a hard time getting things off their chest like i was very inspired and inspired by the the clunky ways in which like uh kike like confided in people and told people things but still like did it with grace at the end of the day i think
2: yeah well that's actually people always ask me like what the difference is between me and kike and i'm like well you know he's 17 i'm 29 he'll always be 17 i will not always be 29 um but he's he's gen z and i feel like he's a lot braver he like he's known himself longer um like i was still identifying as straight at 17 um But with Kike, like he does, yeah, there are moments where he like comes out and it's because he's, it feels like it's inevitable and like he can't stop it. Like it is word word vomit. Um, And that's like, that's not how I came out. I like every time I came out, it was (laughs) like like th- trying to do it trying to do it not able to do it trying to do it trying to do it not able to do it and then i you know like i would just eventually i would like get used to the idea and then i would do it but with kika yeah like it comes very suddenly and i wanted all of the reactions to his coming out from his friends from his family i wanted it to be nuanced in some way i feel like you know i've read a lot of coming out books or seen the movies and it's either met with like how gross like get out of my house or it's um or it's like honey i love you so much and i don't have any problems like reconciling who you are with the new person I see you, <laughs> like, you know like the love simon like jennifer gardner moment where she's like now you're finally breathing like that you know like it, it was beautiful to see but in my book i wanted it to be surprising uh like i wanted it to feel very human um but i i wanted it to be a little chaotic as well and you're kind of like how, wait was that like a good reaction and you're kind of like don't know like there's kind of an ambiguity
0: god that suspense when you don't know if she knows or not and then the tension that builds between them is so like oh it almost got me on the edge of my
1: seat in a weird way yeah. i really loved like i felt like i had never like you were just saying how you also have never seen this but yeah like never seen like the after effects of a strange coming out or like of a like the reverberation of a coming out where it's like the way in which like a parent reacts like the whoever like the child coming out to the parent like really is hyper focusing in on like what the parent's reaction is and so it's you see this reverberation of like what the parents have done and like kike really reacts to it and it's just kind of like it, like it's just awkward like coming out can be a really awkward thing and so i really appreciated like just again like the clunkiness with which like you represent life in this book and um like, even, like, Kike really, like, reading the parents' reactions, like, as, like, even days, months after it happened. Like, that's just, like, such a real thing, and that's very true to life. Uh,
0: now, you had mentioned that people ask you the difference between Kike and you, and there was a question I've already asked you, because as soon as I got to this part in the book I had to ask, which is the uh, Tyler Montana part, where he um, gets to hook up with this guy who he thought was straight, and it was just, like, I was like, has this happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, for me, oh, my God, this would be just he goes four for four with all these guys who could be straight and he's able to hook up with all of them. That would be my dream come true. Like that never, I'm not going to say never cause it's happened like once really recently. Um, but like that never happens. So, uh, and the Tyler moments, especially is juicy cause it's like, Oh shit. Oh shit. It's happening. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to ask you have maybe obviously maybe not in high school. Uh, cause we actually already talked the last time we talked to you, how you said you maybe took some experiences that you experienced later in life, but, kind of molded them onto this idea of like a high school you uh have you had situations like this with with these guys who like you think are straight and then something happens have you have you had a straight man experiment with you that's cool
2: um I actually haven't I've I've only ever heard like other people's stories about like straight dudes and I'm like Every straight dude I've ever known has been straight. <laughs> like um, like <laughs> there's never been that moment where they're like, you know, do something unstraight. Like it's, or, or I, get, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not that person. Maybe I'm not the one. Maybe they think I would judge them. I don't, I don't, I, I don't really know. But um, you're also, the, you're also pretty
0: masculine. Sometimes that happens more with guys who are a little more effeminate because then like the straight men feel more comfortable. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I've, I've Yeah. I've also never had like a bro. What if we just like, bro, what if like, I've never had that. I don't know. <laughs> Um, But specifically with like Tyler, um, he is a white dude uh, and I saw in a lot of YA, like any interracial relationship you saw in YA, it was like a, a person of color with a white person. And it was usually very good like it was just like like even the in the hate you give by angie thomas which is a great book and i love um but it's a 16 16 year old black girl and she's she has a white boyfriend and things like are pretty like he's very understanding and willing to learn and all that stuff and then i just i wanted to show that like that's not always how it goes like sometimes you know you're with a white dude and like all of a sudden he'll say something and you're like oh you're not the person i thought you were and but i also wanted to show too that if someone is hot sometimes queer boys and queer men will like overlook that for a very long time (laughs) you're hot like um and i wanted to represent that too and have him like not be a bad person it's just that he's like well but he lets me (laughs) you know do this thing um and I and I just had fun with it too like Tyler as much as I dislike him I like he's so entertaining to me like um just everything he kind of says and does I'm like so frustrated but like amused um and but yeah like I in in my own personal life I, I really I have very rare encounters with with straight men and then like when they are in the picture they're either friends or family or yeah like i i've I've never had that but i you know there were there was a part of me that was like interested in in exploring that and see what you know a a dl guy would be like and (laughs) well well, i've been with dl but like not i don't know what they do in their personal life but that's the thing too is like yeah (laughs) what (laughs) you can say well (laughs) i just thought of um there have been people where i don't know how they present themselves in social situations it's only been situations where it's the two of us you know what i I mean yeah and they don't say they're straight they say they're DL and then it's like I like I don't know if they like have a wife or kids or you know like whatever um and and so like but but Kike knows all these kids because he goes to school with them um and he knows how they present and he knows how they want to come off and everything and so that's I think what um what complicates it
0: and DL for any listeners who don't know stands for <laughs> down down low <laughs> like you know on the, on the DL yeah uh, yeah. And speaking of maybe some of Tyler's behaviors that uh make the character uncomfortable, one thing I like about your book is you you touch on a lot of issues regarding consent, regarding um comfortableness, and moving forward with. And but at the same time, the character is very innocent. Like a lot of the these actions, uh, specifically, I'm going to bring up the one with Ziggy, where they're they're kissing, and suddenly he's like, "Oh, hey, stop!" I'm you know, and it's there's this sudden you know, that could have been a sexual moment, but I think you're able to communicate all the same ideas just with kissing and it makes it like, it keeps kind of the realistic innocence of high school, which I really like.
2: I'll say this with with all of the sex scenes or they're not necessarily sex scenes, but with all of the sort of, Um, encounters that that Kike has with these boys, um, they each serve a different purpose. Um, And I was trying to sort of fill out the possible experiences that he could have, so that like a teenager reading it would be like, okay, this is what it's like when you're with someone, and you're the one who oversteps, right? Because and a lot of, you know, or I guess in in some way, like it's usually the protagonist who feels uncomfortable with going forward. And like they're the not necessarily the victim, but they're the one who, you know, would rather not be in that situation. And I'm like, but what if, you know, the main character is the one who oversteps? And, you know, he doesn't, you know, a- a- assault Ziggy. Like he listens very quickly to like Ziggy being like, oh, let's chill um yeah because
0: you do a very innocent thing it's just he sticks his tongue in his mouth and that's the yeah. that's the line that gets crossed and it's yeah. very I thought that was a very like um small but poignant thing to concentrate on
2: yeah it's like just like anytime someone is uncomfortable with so with something that someone else is doing to their body it's like it's okay to be like nah like stop um and so Kika learns like oh like okay maybe like in order to prevent that I could do this um but then you know in another scene he's uncomfortable with what's happening, but he doesn't know how to speak up. And I've been in that situation before where I'm like, well, I'm here we're in the middle of it to stop now, like would like, I'd be Mm -hmm. like annoying, or I'd be, you know, I might as well just finish it, see it through, and then just hate myself afterwards. Um, And so like, Kike experiences that, but he also experiences when it's good, when he's enjoying himself, when the other person is enjoying themselves. And like, that's also important, too. It's like to know how you're feeling, how the other person is feeling. And so he goes through like these, (laughs) feels like obstacle courses of like, okay, (laughs) you overstep, someone else oversteps. Now you enjoy it. Like, it's like, yeah, I wanted teens to experience that and then like take that to their own lives and be like, Oh, if I'm uncomfortable, I can do this. If I'm making someone uncomfortable, I need to do this. Like if I'm enjoying myself, I can just enjoy myself.
0: You know, it's so funny reading the book. Like it's very easy to get absorbed in the plot and narrative and forget that everything is a specific choice an author made. Right. (laughs) It's like, Oh, this is just what's happening to the character. It's like, well, no, the author decided this was going to happen uh so yeah on that note are there any other um things specifically that you're like i want teens to have this experience and that's why i wrote this part of the book
2: i guess the other big thing is like mental health um yes i have suffered from depression anxiety some other stuff i don't even know like is undiagnosed at this point but um like I, I've dealt with that my entire life, but i I didn't know that. And again, Kike is like at the beginning of the book before it even begins. He knows he's bisexual. He knows he struggles with mental health issues. He knows a lot of stuff that I didn't know when I was his age. And I just wanted teens to know that, like, again, zero shame about being queer, zero shame about um, being mentally ill, zero shame about talking about it. Um, Like, I just wanted that to be sort of what they got out of it. Um, But I also wanted to show an imperfect character who isn't like, like he's 17. And so he's not, you know, perfect about any of these things. Um, But yeah, just, just, I feel like just talking about mental health stuff, like with your your friends is like good for you and if you can get a therapist because there is you know a big barrier to getting a therapist depending on income and all that insurance and all that stuff um like being open about it helps reduce the shame and and helps you sort of process and yeah, I think that was, like, just one of my main points is, like, tell your best friend everything. Or t- if you can if you can only tell one person, you know, this part of yourself, and you can tell this person this, like, do it as much as possible, and, like, you will not feel so alone.
1: That was another thing that I um, really enjoyed, and, and maybe this is because I don't read a whole lot of way. Like, I've read, like, the popular ones, whatever, but, like, through, like, the lessons I'm learning from what you've written, I'm, like, I should be reading more because, like it's gonna teach teens so much but i had never really seen like representation of suicidal ideation Mm, um mm. and i like you have like suicidal thoughts and like lots of like you have like lots of depictions of it in media where people just like no one really hones in on the term suicidal ideation and i appreciated how like you talk about this character with mental illness and how like this is like a facet of that and like this is a normal thing and like you like normalize it and show that like this is something that you're you're probably going to experience at some point if you suffer from this and that's okay and like you can talk about it just everything you talked about within the therapy segment like i appreciate it so much and um just like it's such a good example for like teens reading this too like at some point or another like it, it just showed that like what can like benefit them like if they go to therapy if they talk to someone if they just like take care of themselves um and like there are people out there to help them i appreciate it Aaron, I wanted to talk about this big reveal towards the end of the book. It's a deep spoiler. So if you plan on reading this book, uh, skip forward maybe five to ten minutes. I don't know. <laughs> But when I was reading this book on the subway, one specific part that I read on the subway and, like, the reveal of it lined up so perfectly with getting off my train was the reveal of uh, Kike going to Mr. Chasman's house.
0: Yes! Oh, my God. I wanted to talk about that moment. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I, one, like, read that all up and all the time on the subway while I was reading that, I go, this is either going to be Mr. Chassman or this is going to be the librarian who we're going to see. Um, and then, like, the chapter, ended like as I was gonna have to train and I just like flipped forward the page just to see like who the reveal was and I saw Mr. Chasman. I go, okay, knew that was coming. And then I like <laughs> closed and went on my way.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I never thought about the librarian, but that's like I hope other people think that. Because the thing is, yeah, a lot of people who've read it um are like Kike, like of course it's like how do you not know it's Mr. Chasman? <laughs> Uh, despite the fact that like his face isn't in the grinder pick. Um, but I'm hoping with teens, I'm hoping the teen like it's a surprise to the teens. Like I'm hoping they're like, what? <laughs> um, Cause <laughs> it is like a, you know, it, it is a big reveal. It's a surprise. It's meant to be like, you're supposed to be shocked. Like, um, although there are plenty, plenty of clues that obviously it, it is uh, Mr. Chassman. Um, but yeah, there, there was something I was trying to do there and I think I successfully did it, but there are, OK, so let me just part of the the response to, to my book um, in terms of like the negative stuff is about the fact that Kike finds his English teacher on Grinder. Um, and I think, I think, I think it's really obvious to me and hopefully to you guys and hopefully to a lot of people, the majority of people who read the book that like, I am not advocating for 31 year old English teachers to like, try to be in relationships with their 17 year old students. And I think,
0: oh yeah, you go above and beyond, right? (laughs) Like make Mr. Chasman so uncomfortable with the situation. Yeah. Like it's
2: from Kike's perspective. He's 17. When I was 17, I did not have crushes on 17. 17-year-old boys. That's where Kiki and I differ. I, from the time I was 13, when I had crushes on male people, they were grown adult men. What? Ah! yeah I, i've i've never had a crush on anyone younger than 18 um in my entire life like when i was a kid like that I is just,
1: wild to me yeah i'm jealous I also
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, it can like, ruin you <laughs> yeah i'm always like like how are you 13 crushing on a 13 year old like they're disgusting like at 13 like the kid who forgets to like wear deodorant like yeah, like i'm like i think about the seventh and eighth graders when i was a seventh grader and i'm like gro- like how is that po- how is it possible to have a crush how have you not had like eighth. the dreamy star of your junior high
0: track team? Just like get your heart pumping. Oh my god! It's when I was dope. thirteen, when I was thirteen, you bet I was crushing on thirteen-year-olds.
2: Oh, uh, that's that. Like that's that's really foreign to me. When I was thirteen, it was like Chris Daughtry, um, Chris Evans. <laughs> like you know, I it was it was guy it was men. Um, it wasn't until I was literally eighteen in college freshman year that I saw a guy my age, and I was like, oh. Damn! Like is that still?
0: Does that still track today? Are you still into like significantly older men?
2: I am. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Ah, there it is. He likes daddies, and it started at 13. He was already into daddies. Andrew and I's reaction: We're like,
1: yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the daddy issues. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so like Kika at seventeen develops his crush very quickly because he he never saw his teacher that way before. But like once they meet on grinder, he's like, oh, I like Mr. Chasman's really handsome and he's very kind and he's very smart and he's just like, oh, like he's like he develops this crush. And the thing is, when a child, because Kike is a child, when a child develops a crush on you, it is your job to say, and in no, in, you know, no uncertain terms, like this is not going to happen. And that's clearly what Mr. Chasman does. And Kike keeps fighting it because, again, he thinks he's like he doesn't see anything wrong with it because he's seventeen and he just sees like a fellow adult because he feels like an adult. When I was 17, I thought I knew everything. Um and so I wanted to include like that desire that he has and I wasn't going to like make him think hmm like I didn't want it to feel unrealistic that Mr. Chasman immediately changed his mind, but he goes on to be like, "Oh wait, actually, you know, this other person's really great for me and it's because like we're the same age and like um like this is something that I I really, really want and and like it's not my English teacher um but yeah there's there was a there was a tiktok that i kept checking because the views kept climbing. Oh, like... no. Oh,
0: no. Wait, was I want to like 11... watch
2: it. This TikTok has had like 11,000 views. And it was like, she was like, oh, the relationship between teacher and student. And I'm like, there's no relationship. I'm like, there's a mentorship. And that was, you know, that sprung out of my wish for 17 year olds who are, who don't have any queer family members to like have a mentor who can sort of guide them. Like that was my own like non-sexual fantasy was like, oh, like having someone who's been through it before be able to guide you and again like there's like when you're a queer kid you feel so isolated if you don't have a queer family member because like you're not allowed to interact with you know your elders or um what have you and so like i was like i'm gonna give kikit what i wanted which is someone to be like you're gonna be okay it all sucks um like you can't talk to your parents about this you can't talk to any other adults about this but like i can you know (laughs) give you book recs and tell you that it's gonna be okay um but yeah it's it's um i don't regret putting it in but it is something oh no
0: it's it's the best part of the book dude it's (laughs) like i was on the edge of my seat because like oh my god is this mr Chasman? oh my god is this mr Chasman? (laughs) And like... I think it's actually better that it's somewhat obvious like you're like 80 to 90% sure that it's going to be because it's this moment of dramatic irony because you're like he doesn't know oh my yeah. god is it is it is it and I was like sometimes and I haven't had this happen in a while when I'm like can't wait to see what happens next but I want to read the book in the proper order I literally have to cover the next page with my hand <laughs> to prevent myself <laughs> from peeking ahead and I had to do that when I was at this part I was like uh... <laughs> also though to um go back to like having mentors and stuff i also love the role of arturo in this book yeah just such a great example of two gay men who are friends who aren't romantically involved with each other which can be very rare to see representation of and it's really important that we have like to show that like gay men can be platonic friends with each other and have this not messy relationship well I, i
2: i can't take credit for that um because in the original draft of the book um, Arturo was named what was his name? Carlos so Arturo was named Carlos he didn't go to Kike at school he just worked at Target and Kike and Carlos flirted went out on a date made out and then Carlos ghosted him for the rest of the book it was supposed to be like oh my god (laughs) yeah so he was supposed to be like the freaking like fifth person well sixth person counting Fabiola like the sixth person in the book that like he had like kissed over the course of a summer Um, but after we got rejected from our first round of editors um I went back and I was like I thought about a note that it was either my agent's assistant or some random assistant at the agency who had read through it and given me a note and was like I'd love to see Kike interact with a guy who he's not attracted to Mm. and I was like oh you know I I don't care I don't want to do that and then after the first round of rejections I was like actually I want to go explore that so then I changed Carlos to Arturo and then had Arturo be a, a platonic friend slash you know one year older mentor um um, and so yeah, like that that is not credit to me. That's you know, the great thing about books is like you have input and and then that can spark something for you. And Arthur was mentioned at the beginning in terms of like, you know, him getting gay bashed. Um, like that was always in the book, but we never got to meet him. And then so I'm like really glad now that we get to meet him and get to see he he also like i just my favorite thing about writing is like character right and with arturo like i really loved writing a a gay character who's very much like besides manny i guess who's fierce but not in like a z snap way like in a like a literal like they are tough you know like i wanted because there are so many tough gay men like and we like queer men have had to be that way because we're often targets right and like i don't know every every time i see this is like sort of random but every time i see like a, a video of like a gay dude getting into a fight with a straight dude and the gay dude is just like throwing hands like at the speed of light i'm like yeah like you like, <laughs> play that motherfucker out um and it's so satisfying and i'm like they exist and so our exist exists
1: and many exists that's really cool if this question i'm about to ask feels very like a therapy question um but therapy is a big theme in this book so let's go for it I guess I wanted to ask, and maybe you've answered this question already in your events, Aaron, but, and we've we've talked about it a little bit in the sense of, like, Kike being, like, a similar person to you, you and him. Like, you pulled Kike from you, like, you wrote in this voice, like, you know this character very well and whether or not you, like, fully identify with him or not. I wanted to ask, like, what was it like writing a character who got to be, like, exploring their sexuality in high school and, like, doing that? And I, because I remember you saying, like, you didn't start really doing that until you're much older in life, and so what what did you i guess pull from your own high school experience to like depict this and like it dips into that whole um theme you have in the book of like lies based in reality i guess and like just I I create a big bubble of a question and now I'm just gonna push it towards you <laughs> and have you talk about it.
2: Yeah. Well, I like that. Or was it lies based in truth? What
1: it was the it, it was the Fabiola's whole thing with her lies where she's like, I like when my lies are based in reality. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Or yeah, that, that was Kike's thing. Yeah. I'm not sure whose it was.
2: No, that that is that is Fabiola's. Um what I so the thing is I was t- I was twenty four when I wrote this and I was going through things that I knew my friends, straight friends had been going through at 17. And I thought that if I wrote a book about a 24 year old who was living with his sister, with his mom in the back, um, and was like sneaking out to like make out with guys in cars and not really understanding how I felt romantically about men and not understanding um, just a lot of things about myself. I thought if I wrote that book, that was that would be closer to autobiography, that everyone would be like, this isn't realistic for a 24-year-old. Um, and so it was this feeling of, of like, you know, people would think like, like, they wouldn't understand what a late bloomer was for a queer dude, which doesn't make sense now, because I think people know now that like, A lot of us had a stunted sort of romantic trajectory because we weren't able to, you know, do that in high school um, or sometimes college. And so I was like, oh, it makes more sense for a 17 year old to go through what I'm currently going through, which is trying different people out, learning things about myself, learning things about consent. Um, And so I, I made it a 17 year old. And Kika and I again are very similar, and I, I thought it made sense too because Gen Z has access to like the internet, um, in a in a private way as well. Because like you know, I, I had the internet when I was seventeen, but. Um, it's not like I could be very discreet about anything I was looking up or you know watching um, and but with Kike it's like well and in, in all Gen Zers it's like if they have a smartphone like like the there are no limits to like what they could find out <laughs> about themselves and so Kike is just ahead in terms of like figuring out his bisexuality figuring out his his mental health stuff figuring it and not like totally figuring it out but just like knowing enough about it that um, he be a little bit more confident in it than i was at even at 24 um and then so yeah like i i sort of changed a lot of my experiences so that they fit like the high school parameters you know like you live with your parents so like how do you oh well they're at work or the person he wants to be with like his parents are never home like like figuring that logistical stuff out like that was necessary because it was high school um, but I kind of just yeah transported my emotional truth into
1: what he was feeling love it I don't know if, the th- if that felt therapeutic or not if that <laughs> felt like a therapy question to me because <laughs> I was. it was like I'll think about like the feelings of like this in high school like anytime I think about high school I'm like mm, feelings and emotions <laughs> yeah. Eric whenever you talk about therapy
0: feelings or emotions do you do this whole like choreographed dance <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm doing the Thriller Dance by Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um, all, like, I liked what you were saying about like, just with like this generation, Generation Z with the phones and stuff. And like, I'm sure what you were saying about like the people like having negative reactions. Like, I feel like I've seen before people having a negative reaction to um, like like high school students being on like dating apps and like seeing that thing but i really appreciated one the way wit- just like bringing that conversation in the idea that a 17 year old is going to be on grinder and like i appreciate just like depict like any depiction of grinder is like and when it's accurate like yeah like you de- people need to know what this is and like see like the bonkersness of it but see that it's also like part of our culture um and Kike and- does condemn it he like tries to convince manny to get off it yeah yeah um no yeah i i, I just really like y- taking this generation and like even though you wrote this because you said you were like 24 over the course of the past like five years you've still adopted like you're still able to take things from this new generation of generation Z and like showcase it in a way that like it's probably like teenagers these days have access to everything because of the phones so like obviously like prob- they're curious like about their sexuality and they're curious about grinder because it's a big thing and they, like grinder is such a big part of like gay bisexual just queer culture in general and so just depicting that and showcasing someone exploring it and then like do it using the tool of like shutting it down. Like you just like maneuvered it expertly and I appreciated the depiction of it regardless. And I'm sorry if anyone has read like a small snippet of it and like taken out on a strong opinion about it. Cause I feel like that is the majority of negative opinions these days is people taking one little thing and just like maximizing it.
2: Yeah. Well thank you. I I did try obviously I wanted to be responsible to young adult book. Um and the yeah the truth is like i've been hit up by boys on grinder and they're like i'm 19 i'm 21 and i look at their i'm like show me your pictures and i see pictures and i'm like (laughs) you you look like you're 15 you don't even look maybe you're 17 but you look 15 like you look even younger and i'm like absolutely like i just block them and i'm like and i'm like i hope they're okay like i hope you know, I'm I'm not gonna be a Mr. Chasman because I'm scared of like getting like beat up by parents. And I think if Kike's parents found out about Mr. Chasman, they would absolutely kick the shit out of Mr. What Chassman. really? Yeah, because they they'd probably be like, "What? Why the hell are you letting my son into your house? Like while you drink wine and talk about boys? Like what is wrong with like they would my his dad would yeah, and his mom too would." Um, but Mr. Chasman's assuming that risk because he cares so much and he's like trying to protect Kiket. um... So it's not like when I got hit up by like a teenager on Grinder, like I wasn't going to be like, yeah, let's meet up so I can, you know, tell you the error of your ways like that just doesn't work in real life. But this is a book. And so I was like, oh, like it can work where Mr. Chespin, um like shows him the way, you know, um, I thought that could help. Uh, and then also like I <laughs> this is going to be something weird about me. But at, once I've like, you know, met someone, I I tend to like interview them a little bit and I ask them about their first times. I ask them about coming out. Like I just, I sort of like, just, I I like hearing about their life before me. And I've heard so many stories from guys that I've met about being 15, 16, 17 and meeting someone who's in their thirties, forties, fifties and for their first time, and then having that be their first time with someone and sometimes when i talk to them they're like oh it's fine you know like that's you know that's how i lost my virginity and like it's fine Uh, but sometimes they've realized or you know come to the conclusion that like oh yeah that wasn't okay like i was 15 and i was in a pickup truck with a 40 year old in a deserted area and something really bad could have happened or something bad did happen or you know like Like, I've just heard that story so many times. And I was like, okay, I don't want to feature that to be like, hey, teenagers, if you do this, then you will get so harmed. Like, I didn't want it to be like a negative sort of thing. I wanted it to be like, oh, you should know that this is probably never going to happen. But if you did meet up with a responsible adult, they would then explain to you why you shouldn't be on the app. You know, like, I I wanted to do it that way instead of like using trauma to like get them to do the right thing, which is to not be on the app if you're not 18. And I, yeah, so ah oh, it's just all very complicated and you know it, it, it is hard to put all this into one book and and sort of have it be foolproof in that way and so like i you know i understand why there are people who i how i would characterize it misinterpret um the, the, the lesson there yeah
0: i've already told aaron that uh if this gets made into a, a movie or tv show i want to play mr Chasman. that's my that's the role i'm like pick me for hey, that
1: who can i be i want to be um one of the twinks <laughs> okay (laughs) i want to be the librarian
0: (laughs) oh oh my god wait that'd be so cute
1: cool okay slay
2: (laughs) i like your
0: reaction to twink you're just like okay
2: (laughs) i go that's a compliment to me (laughs) yeah
0: it's calling you skinny and young looking Uh. <laughs> uh, Aaron, I wanted to ask you about the, um, you chose to dedicate a lot of this book to uh, Salim, Salim's culture and um, the Palestinian angle of it. And I wanted to um, ask, what? Uh, why did you choose to discuss that in this book?
2: Yeah, so it, when I wrote the first chapter on the first day that I started this book, um, I didn't mention Salim at all. It's like Kike is having this inner monologue about Masturbating, and then about the three guys at school that he likes, and then uh, his, <laughs> what? his best friend, his best friend Fabiola. He's just like it's all this internal monologue. And then the next day I came and it was like chapter two and I was like, Oh, and I forgot about Salim <laughs> and um, what, but I, I sort of knew, I think that there would be sort of this ultimate love interest And it wouldn't be one of the three that, you know, like the three are tools or <laughs> means to an end where he's like using them as sort of this, it's like they're on a dating show and he's like, you know, uh, and he's trying to use them to like get over his best friend. Um, but when it came to his best friend, all I knew before I wrote Salim was, that he was the sweetest, kindest person. Um, so I didn't know like his background. All I knew was like his character was like pure and he was like just very kind um, because I think at that time I didn't think I deserved anyone like that. And I wanted Kike to go through this journey of realizing like, oh no, I do deserve pure like love from someone who I think is in a lot of ways above me. Like is so perfect that I don't deserve them. <laughs> and so I knew that from the beginning when it came to like his physical attributes and like his his background his culture that happened because i watched a scene of american gods on tumblr and it was (laughs) it was was a scene between a character and a jinn which is like an islamic demon And it's a very fiery scene, both literally and figuratively. And I looked up one of the actors and his name is Musa Kresh. And he is a beautiful Palestinian man. And I was reading his, his interview with someone. And he was saying like, Oh, like, you know, I'm Palestinian American, I grew up in Brooklyn. And, you know, I don't see a lot of roles for me. I don't well." Like, he was just, you know, mm-hmm. talking um, about his culture and his art and everything. And I kind of just developed a crush on him. And I was like, oh, well, what if he were 17? And what if I were 17? And then it's kind of like Kika and Selim, right? And then I just had all this physical description to work with. It's like, I, like, he has this beautiful, like, black curly hair. He has these piercing honey colored eyes. I'm like, okay, I can draw on this. I can, like... Um, get inspiration from this uh and then I you know looked up names and I was like oh I like Salim um but you know once you do that it's not like you just plug him in and then everything makes sense it's like no like if i plug in a palestinian american character there are things i have to research and there are things i have to delve into i didn't necessarily do that in the first draft but i had to like i had to engage with that and so i started reading novels, um, memoirs, poetry collections, online articles, history books, like I I started following Palestinian artists on Twitter, um, especially queer ones. And I just like sort of just immersed myself in that as much as I could. So I could write a character who felt authentic to the people who would read it from that background. Um, And that's how like Salim was born. And there were certain things I just couldn't ignore. And one of those is like the situation in Palestine and like how... The reason Salim is probably in America is because his grandparents and I had to do that timeline too. like if I were writing millennials, it's probably his parents who would have fled Palestine, but because um, Salim is so young. Um, it was his, it had to be his grandparents who, who fled during the sixties. Um, and I was like, okay, where's his family going to be? And it's like, oh, the largest Palestinian population is in New Jersey. So like, that's why his parents go, go to New Jersey at one point. And it's like, so like all these things, like kind of, I had to fit it in like a puzzle once I had done all the research. Um, but it's been, I think I've had two Palestinian people read it and have like, I didn't, they said, I'm like I could still like people could still say I screwed something up but for from these two readers who are Palestinian like I didn't yeah like in their opinion I didn't screw anything up so I'm like like that's a that's a relief because i'm like well,
0: you better not because they delayed publication for a sensitivity reader
2: yeah no that was and that was that was crucial like i did change things because of the sensitivity read um, really really yeah for people who don't know a sensitivity read sometimes they call it an authenticity read it's primarily used in young adult literature not literary fiction or fiction for adults um but it's where you get a reader who is from the background of a character and they read through it and they're like oh this is inaccurate or this is playing on a stereotype or you know um and for me like i didn't need anyone for the latino characters or the mexican characters because like that's me um but because i'm not palestinian i'm not muslim i'm not arab Um, We needed someone from that background to sort of go through it and be like, oh, like, this is inaccurate. You know, this is playing on stereotypes, whatever. Um, And we got a reader and they they wrote a lot. But they were like, I the way I do this is like I give you neutral observations and you choose like if you want to change something, like if that was your intention, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Or, you know, at some point he did say like, oh, I think you should expand on this. Like you kind of like, you know, gloss over this. And I think it's chapter 14 where I go into a lot of like Palestinian history history um or as much as i can in a ya book that i'm trying to keep moving like so like people don't you know get bored um but that happened they also had stuff to say about like you know i described the smells of salim's apartment and he, they were like oh well we don't really fry food in the house you know we go order it um like if we're gonna fry food uh so you'd probably like if the mom was cooking something you would probably smell more like this and like so you know oh little, wow that's tiny cool. Yeah, the tiny little nuances that I wanted to get right because, you know, otherwise a Palestinian person reading this is like, oh, I've lost like all faith in this author because they said this thing when like that that would never happen in a Palestinian home or, you know, something like that.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, as a as a gay person, it's it's chafing when I read something that I could just tell like the author didn't do enough research. You know, it really does yeah. like cause a very negative reaction for me. So I think it's so great that you went above and beyond to do your research and get outside help to make sure that you got those details right and listened and made changes. That's incredible.
2: I tried. I tried. <laughs>
0: I, I think I saw you retweet like a guy one time. And you're like, oh, this guy is so attractive. And I was like, this guy has a lot in common with Salim. So I kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that he was based off of a crush you had.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Aaron, one thing we should probably wrap up soon. But one thing I, I kind of wanted to ask is, you know, this podcast to send it a lot around some of the problems that we've seen in authentic representation, both in movies and TV shows and so as an author I I wanted to ask you how do you see the field right now of of writing? What problems do you see that might be occurring? It seems like it's actually doing pretty well in terms of progressive representation and, and having people write the experiences that they know and get outside help when it's an experience they don't know. Um, but I was really curious as to what your take on that was.
2: Yeah, um, I think I've discussed this on on TikTok a little bit and I still have the same view, which is I think it's totally fine for someone to write outside of their, experience and their background, Um, they just have to do it right. And then also, I would hope that when people tell their own stories, that those stories are treated as equally important as ones written from by people outside of the group. And I'll be like, I'll just clarify really quickly. Um, I've like made videos where I talk about like the most successful stories about queer males. And it's like Song of Achilles, Red, White and Royal Blue, Call Me By Your Name. Um, There are a lot, right? Like, or there aren't a lot, but there are plenty. Um, and most of them are written by non-queer males Um, and it's, it's frustrating for me to like you know tell my story about a bisexual Mexican dude and have it I mean I'm very happy with like everyone who's read it and has enjoyed it and like that's all good but I would I would have hoped for a larger audience based on like what red white and royal blue is is seeing you know which is about a bisexual mexican dude um <laughs> by someone, written by someone who's not a bisexual i mean they are bisexual um but not a bisexual um dude. male mexican dude um and so that like there is that a bit of that frustration and in terms of adaptations the, the only adaptations i see um love simon heartstopper again not written by queer males and about white characters and i just you know i'm just always like more more diversity right diversity within the diversity um and that's that's like a a selfish wish cuz i you know i do want like my book to be adapted i do want it to Um, I do want the audience for it to grow, but also like, I have friends who are making, um, who are crafting incredible stories and sort of uh, also not getting the recognition that they deserve. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we can sort of make a bigger market. Um,
0: what do you think the solution is?
2: Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I think creators are going to keep creating. Um, I I think it's up to gatekeepers to sort of Fix this, publishers, mm, mm. Um, producers in Hollywood, studios. Um, like they have to increase their efforts to find diverse content. And the funny thing too is like it's like the lack of diversity isn't a lack of quality material. Like again, like some of the best books I ever read are by marginalized groups, and it's because like oh, shout we...
0: out a few, shout out a few. Oh well,
2: I I love 1500 Miles from the Sun by Johnny Garcia, which is um. A about a, a, a gay Mexican kid in Texas who accidentally uh, comes out on Twitter and then, you know, his life kind of takes a turn. He gets drunk and then comes out on Twitter. Oh,
0: and his, drama.
2: Yeah. And then his Twitter crush hits on him. And so he like they're kind of like long distance flirting. It's a great book um my friend adam sass wrote surrender your sons which is about conversion therapy but there's like a it's a thriller so it's about like murder at a conversion camp and the kids sort of band together to try and fight against it and it's just it's a really great thriller um yeah there i mean i could i could go on but i just (laughs) they're out there those stories are out there they're just not getting the marketing push they're not getting the publicity i know that from my book too it's like um, but the books are out there and, and, you know, consumers can go, consumers can go search and, you know, try and find it. Um, but the publishers really should be pushing it. And again, producers should be looking for diverse content to to adapt um but we'll we'll see if we can if that if that'll happen
0: definitely well i think it's really well said and obviously the the first step is those stories existing so thank you for being part of the solution and and writing this great queer representation authentic and all of that it's it's really nice let's uh let's go into final thoughts i will say that this book is a fun fast light read that actually uh, has carries with it a lot of insight and a lot of unseen representation and i I really enjoyed
1: it and respected that bisexual fun compelling <laughs> heart string puller fun for the whole family, <laughs> <laughs>
2: mean, not the, whole family. Hey. <laughs> the older the older
1: siblings in the family the gay the gay <laughs> and the bisexual ones the queer ones oh my God. <laughs> Uh, i mean I've i think been...
2: this
0: book would be accessible to straight people too i feel like you could enjoy it as a straight person yeah
1: absolutely maybe that that's not aaron's goal <laughs> <Just kidding>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no like I, I i think it's so funny like once you start ha- adding like aspects of identity they're like queer and like you know mexican and all this stuff like people are like oh i want people to relate to it i'm like but i'm writing like a comedy about love you know like a Mm -hmm. um like that is universal it's just you know not a mirror for people um yeah i like the book
0: i think it's cool Yeah, you've read it a, some some 6,000 times.
2: Yeah, there. I don't think there's any other book that I could have read a hundred times and still, you know, have love for. And still, there's still things that crack me up. Like, I, and I'm like, I know I wrote it, but like there are parts where I'm like, I forget that I wrote it. So then it's as if I'm reading it from someone else. And I'm like, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I love that.
0: Well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the pod again. It's been so great to have you. Um, you're always a pleasure to talk to you and I love talking to you. Uh, do you have anything you want
2: to promote um well first of all thank you guys for having me um it's always nice to be with you andrew and eric um no nothing to promote except the book um you can get it from a library you can order it online you can go to a bookstore and maybe find it um i'm on social media it's either Aaron acevis or Aaron h acevis depending on the platform um you'll figure it out (laughs) well thank you
0: everyone so much for joining us and uh for reading this book along with us and uh until next time we'll talk to you later bye bye Bye. Bye. and gay bye and gay (laughs)